Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good? Yep, I'm good. Okay, okay. Hello, welcome to the At The High Podcast, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. This is your host, Jonathan, and I'm joined by Chase. Chase, how are you? I am doing very well. I'm excited to get back on the mic here and talk some yeah. Charlotte Hornets basketball, which For is sure. what... not really good yet, but it's different. <laughs> Shout out to, like, kudos to anyone that cares enough still to, like, actually listen to this. Um, yeah, no, thank you for everybody that is <laughs> that is still here grind, listening to, like, an hour-long podcast about the 30th ranked offense and the, what is, you know, like the uh, consistently a bottom four defense. Oh, they're up to 26. Now they were 27th the other day. So we're improving. Like <laughs> I, I said, I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't even realize the Hornets defense was that bad. I've been so uh, fixated on how bad the offense has been when I've been kind of like studying things and researching things that I didn't even realize the defense is also like one of the worst in the league. Yeah. I feel like it doesn't really like, Almost, it almost doesn't matter as much because they're not like scoring enough anyway uh, mm-hmm. to, to beat most teams. Though that has changed a little bit recently, but in general, they're they're not really up to pace yet. So the defense is is a work in progress. Yeah, the the Hornets in the last five have the uh, where are they? Number twenty one ranked offense. Hey, there we go. We're yeah, almost in a, the. The middle <laughs> section of the league, not the right. bottom third. That's not even, and that's got, there's a 100 and what 136 point performance with a 51 point quarter thrown in there. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I guess to kind of start on that, uh, did you see the thing that I wrote on like it was like Christmas Day or like the day after Christmas? I can't remember when I. Well, I wrote it on an airplane. That's a cool little little fun fact behind the scenes. Um, where the Hornets. Like we I think we talked about it on like the last the last time we talked, where their shot profile technically is good because they shoot very few mid range jump shots. They shoot lots of shots in the paint and lots of threes, but they have the worst effective field goal percentage in the league, and they just cannot make open shots. And like I feel kind of bad for Steve Clifford in a sense because there is an element of like the offense just isn't as flowy and cohesive as it was last year. But at a certain point, like open shots are open shots, right? Yeah, I mean, and you would think that with the general adage that, you know, shooting is uh, mostly luck and, you know, there's a lot of variance that goes up and down. Yeah. You'd think that that would eventually bounce back <laughs> for the Hornets, but it really it really hasn't yet. Other than like in very, very short bursts or like individual games, they've never really they haven't really had a stretch of like 10 games where more than one or two guys shot well at once. Yeah, well, you're a Celtics guy. They had like a historic offense for a lot of the year, and then they've the three point shooting has just suddenly tanked, hasn't it? For like a month. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, like they <laughs> in the last like month or so, their shooters have pretty much fallen off of a cliff, with the exception of Jalen Brown. And it, what was like the best offensive rating in NBA history through like probably the first month or so of the season is, I mean, they're still number one in the league, or t- I think they're tied with Denver or something like that, but. No, obviously not going to set a historic pace anymore. And that that's what like shooting variants can do to you. It can make you, yeah. you know, the best offense the world has ever seen to, you know, just like a normal good NBA offense. In the yeah. And we talked month. <laughs> yeah. And I talked about that in like a little bit of the, um, in the off season, I wrote a thing where I, I showed kind of everybody's like the Hornets players, uh three point shooting percentage, like as the season went on and then like in five and 10 game samples. And I didn't like publish it, but I looked at other people's like other players too, just out of curiosity, guys that had like reputations for being really good shooters and shooting just by nature, it just oscillates. It goes up and down. Players get hot. They're feeling good. They make all their shots. And then they have a night where for whatever reason it doesn't work. And then they lose confidence and the shots stop going in. And that's just, that's just basketball. But 
the Hornets just have stayed down. It's just been bad. It, it's like we had that stretch last year for like a month where they couldn't make a shot, and they randomly like broke out for that record-setting game against the Pacers in the middle of it, and then they continued to shoot poorly outside of that. That's basically been this whole season. Yeah, that that game was actually like a pretty good microcosm of of the year because it is there, like you said, yeah. and in that that article too highlighted like the it, the the base level principles are there. The player, I mean, realistically, the players are there too. <clears throat> they just haven't been fully healthy, really. They've been, just been unhealthy in a myriad of different ways, like throughout the season, yeah. just missing different key players instead of like having them all back at once and missing like an, an end of bench rotation player or something. But I, I mean, it's it also part of it is just like inexplicable. Like the Lamelo in his return has basically proved himself as one of the league's elite shooters. Uh, Terry had that 39 point game, but other than that, there's like literally nobody that is shooting well on the team. Right. Like, PJ Washington's at 35%. That's the, the only player that's close to league average. Like everybody <laughs> else is 34% or under. And a lot of these guys are on decent volume too. So it's not like everybody's just like, you know, going one for three, every game and tanking their percentage. Like, no, yeah, it's 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 very inexplicable. I really have not been able to find a reason for it yet. Yeah, and there's some nuance to like the shot profile maybe not being as good as it looks because like the Hornets are the most blocked team in the NBA. At least they were the last time I looked. Because um, it, so it feels like there's like a little bit of this kind of brute force mentality to it of like just getting the paint. Paint shots good, and then it's just like yeah, but also like if the paint shots are like heavily contested floaters over rim protectors, then maybe they're not the best. Um, which it feels like the Hornets are doing a lot of this year of like kind of these, these like hopeful finishes in traffic in the paint, which is hurting their percentage. But that's still the three point shooting is just like a, that, like you said, it's just inexplicable. Like every single player is shooting a worse percentage from three than they did last year. Yeah. Like that's what is the likelihood of that happening? Like <laughs> it that, does, it's yeah, gotta it does be not very, happen. very, very slim. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Like somebody has to be like, everybody has ups and downs i don't the odds of them all being down in the same season is just is just crazy and it's like steve clifford shoulder some of that blame in the sense of like this you know the system but i think the injuries are probably a bigger part of that and it's just bad luck um on the injury front that's been another kind of funny just stupid luck the hornets are having this year where it's like in order to get a player to return from the injury report, you must sacrifice another player. Like it's been happening like on the game. It's like, Hey guys, like code Dennis Smith jr. Is back. And then like Gordon Hayward strained his hamstring like that game, like the same game that's happened a couple times this year. So now Dennis Smith jr. And Cody Martin are back and Kelly Oubre and Gordon Hayward are out. Um, I, I don't know if that's a net win or loss or what do you think for, I mean, honestly, like, I don't even, I guess it would probably be a net win because the offense realistically <laughs> is only going to get better if players just, like we've just said, like, just start making more shots in whatever way that that, you know, it becomes possible. Like, that's probably the only thing that's really going to make them better. They're probably not acquiring anybody at the trade deadline that bolsters their offense or anything like that. So I think I think getting the Dennis Smith Jr. back for the point of attack defense, which, as we have seen, is LaMelo Ball's biggest weakness right now by a pretty comfortable margin. I think that that's definitely going to help as yeah. he kind of works his way back in. And and Cody Martin as well is going to help with that. But he's just, in general, going to need to do a lot defensively, I think, to make up for yeah. the, the other players that are like 6'6 six, six and under in the, in the Hornets lineup right. not being great defenders. I um I feel like from a basketball success standpoint, it's probably kind of a wash. But I think in terms of like where the season's at, I think from a watchability standpoint, I I I prefer this one. Um, Gordon Hayward's like just kind of he's been not as bad as he's been like uh, treated this year, but he's also just boring if nothing else, and not that great. And then Kelly Oubre has been better this year, but he's not, for me at least, not like an aesthetically pleasing basketball player to watch. Um, he's been better than he was last year because he's been more aggressive attacking the paint and stuff. But uh, I, I find his basketball awareness kind of cringy sometimes. 
and it's it's uh Dennis Smith Jr. Cody Martin who are like the opposite of that, especially Cody Martin. I think makes makes it more uh easy on the eyes. I think. Yeah, it's it's a much more more palatable yeah. like poor offensive performance i guess like is is right is one way to put it like it's like it's like they're it's like they're making the right decisions to miss shots instead of just kind of chucking stuff up yeah right and i definitely think that that's i think you're right about it being like a wash in terms of wins and losses because yeah i mean the only thing that's gonna help the hornets in any way would be to have all of these good players that the front office and coaching staff were planning on having available for at least the majority of the season but I mean, we'll see if we get that at any point. The The positive thing to me, at least, is Hayward has been listed as doubtful instead of just out. So that at least is like somewhat of a short-term thing. And then the only player you'll have missing from your normal rotation would be Kelly Oubre. And hopefully he'll be back in about a month-ish from right now, like around the trade deadline time All-Star game. Yeah, which even then, I don't know how long, if if he continues to be a Hornet, after he comes back from injury. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if the Hornets are going to make any deadline move, that would probably be, yeah. he would be included. I, what do you think about the prospects of, like, his injury and his trade value? I, I feel like a I, lot of people are, like, pretty split on what that might do. I I don't know. It's it, I feel like no team wants to trade for a player that's currently injured unless it's, like, a real obvious established difference maker. But... I do. I do think. I think you can get like. It's not like Kelly Oubre is shooting well anyway, and so what you get out of Kelly Oubre is not necessarily super impacted by like his hands. Like, oh, is he gonna be able to make threes? It's like, I mean, he probably wouldn't be able to anyway. Uh, he's gonna try, but he's not gonna consistently make him. Um. So I think I think the Hornets can still get something out of him. If not, maybe the market probably cools a little bit, but I don't think it completely tanks it. I don't think he's like untradeable now yeah that's what i was thinking too it's like, he, like you acquire he's him be healthy for the stretch run now too he wouldn't have like right. a lingering issue right like you acquire him and he's probably ready not too far off of a timeline that you would have if you like wanted to ease him into the lineup or the rotation anyway like he's the the timelines kind of line up um so and he's probably the most obvious trade candidate mason plumley's been on that too we'll talk about them more um later in the show uh the other thing i guess to talk about the the only two i guess bright spots right now um are lamella ball and mark williams i think lamella ball is kind of lamella ball at this point right like he's a really good shooter just like we all predicted coming into the league and uh he stopped fouling other than that like good job kid yeah like the, i mean other there's really not much to it so other than the fouling which I think it it's such a weird problem for like a guard that is taller and longer than most of the other guards that he defends. But mm-hmm. I think it's just like an overzealous, uh, like trying to make a play type of thing or like hasn't quite learned how to like grift the refs in the way that a lot of other stars have. Um, he I, I mean, does. I mean, this is biased, but he does seem to get a pretty tough whistle. Oh, he, both, he like, definitely does. He, both, I, he like, hasn't in terms like of the amount of times he gets knocked down yet. Yeah, both offensively in terms of like uh, how many times he gets knocked around and doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. And then defensively, like against the Pacers, he fouled out and it felt like not that there any of them I could say were like not a good like were the incorrect call. But there's a like a couple, two or three of them that players get away with that stuff without whistles all the time. Oh, yeah. And I, like I think he, a lot of people will get upset, particularly about the one that he fouled out on, like sticking his leg out. Uh, yeah. on that three and stuff but like i don't know everyone does that like a lot of players right. do that and then get the call like i don't yeah. like i don't know like <laughs> if, if he him doing that and getting the call there would have been like very like that would have been good like everyone would have been like wow great play he drew a foul mm-hmm. on a three like when they needed it but obviously it didn't work out yeah. that way and i think right. you know when he's 26 like it'll probably work out in his favor rather than fouling out yeah. when he you know like he did now. it's just it's been very, it's just, it's very strange. Like I watched, I don't know, like Trey Young and James Harden and even Devin, Devin Booker is one, like un, sneaky underrated this where he just kind of drives to the basket and then like when it, and then he just makes contact on the way to the basket, even if it seems rather like inconsequential and they're like, yep, that's foul. And the mellow ball kind of seems like he actually has to be like hacked at 
to get these calls. Like he doesn't seem to get he seems to get very few like blocks called against him or like body body contact calls against him. Which part of it's the way he kind of avoids it, but still there's a lot of times it feels like he could get these whistles, he's just not. Yeah, he does definitely try to avoid contact a little bit, and I, that's probably because he's still. I mean, he's probably always going to be like a relatively thin guy. He doesn't need to be like six yeah. six and jacked or whatever. But <clears throat> he's definitely not quite as strong, obviously, as a lot of the players, the centers that are standing under the rim. But even the players that are guarding him sometimes can get under him and bother him a little bit at that. But I think it also doesn't help. Uh, his rim finishing in general is like pretty poor uh especially yeah. for a guard that takes at least a reasonable amount of shots there uh and that the, i mean the that is almost as bad for from a team-wide perspective as the three-point shooting i mean there mark williams has also been the bright spot of this year but him and Lamelo are other than bryce mcgowan's who's only taken 13 shots at the rim this year are the two uh like lowest percentile rim finishers on the team so i think that from the two building blocks uh, on this team, that is like combined something that needs to be worked on significantly uh, over the next like couple of years for them to reach their like full potential. Even though I think they're both going to be fine, even if they're like, you know, not great at it in their entire career. But yeah. if they got really good at that one skill, then that would take this team a long way. Yeah, I'm Mark Williams. Mark Williams been uh been very good. Um the team defense with him on the floor has been really, really good. Offensively, he still has, like, I, I feels like just, like, a comfort thing, right? Like, the skill is there. It just kind of, like, a, let the indie game needs to slow down for him some. But, um, yeah, he's he's um every bit of what he was advertised as, right? Like, he he's getting every rebound. His rebounding rates are insane, um, offensively and defensively. His touch is really good. He's, like not Mason Plumley level passer, but his, he makes the right reads and stuff. And I think you will see more of that as he gets more comfortable. So like, I think he's, he's been worth the wait. I think it would be nice to see him get a few more minutes. Um, but I guess we'll get there, I guess. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And I, uh, I think that'll be a good uh, discussion for the later segment in the show. When we talk about Plumley and the yeah. trade potential, because as of now, I mean, that kind of seems like the only way that <clears throat> Mark, both Mark and Nick are ever going to play because yeah. Mark, <laughs> right, like both of them are good, right? And you can't, like all three of them are good. Like Mark Mason and Mace, and Nick Richards have all been very good this year. You can't play three seven-footers in one lineup <laughs> unless you're going to split the minutes in like some really weird way and play them all like 16 minutes the whole game or something like that. Right. But, and that's just Which- like not practical at all so <clears throat> i am interested to see how that changes throughout the year because i mean nobody is is giving steve clifford a reason to sit them but he has to his, sit somebody right yeah mason Plumley kind of threw him into that by like not being terrible um by the way i, I think you pulled you want to use cleaning the glass to pull up those rim finishing numbers i'm assuming um yeah yeah i pulled up, it, pulled them up it's, it, it, it's, it's so blue Oh yeah, every everything. <laughs> it's just like for yeah, for anybody that has a cleaning the glass membership or for anybody that doesn't have one, it basically shows the shooting percentages uh in like a percentile. It has a number surrounded by like a square that's either filled in blue or orange or like some like off-white color. Like blue is bad between blue to orange, yeah. Yeah, like orange is good uh and as one could probably surmise from watching the hornets games this year there's a whole lot of blue when you click on like the shooting (laughs) percentages page um the funniest part about this thing is the whole year everything has been bad with shooting but kelly Oubre's mid-range shooting is in the 98th percentile (laughs) in the league he's 23 or long mid-range shooting so shots basically that are inside the arc, but further away than the free throw line, like a long two that is supposed to be terrible. He's shooting 23 out of 39 on total attempts for those this year. So there is one extremely minuscule bright spot, uh, I guess outside <laughs> of Lamella ball too, but Lamella is just always going to be a good shooter. But other than that, it is a whole and, lot of blue. Yeah. Um, there are some other things to talk about. I think we'll talk about them on the other side of this break. So we'll do buzz and it wasn't, and then we'll kind of look ahead to the rest of the season. So we'll do that. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Have the Hive podcast. This is Jonathan. I'm joined by Chase. Um, we're still here. It's time for buzzing and wasn't. Uh, Chase, do you want to start with who's buzzing? Yes. Um, I'm going to warn everybody. Most people will likely, maybe not get like upset, but might roll their eyes or groan or just turn off the podcast. But <laughs> please stick with us. My buzzing is one Mason Plumley. Oh, that was going to be mine too. Oh, okay, perfect. I'm, I'm so that's perfect. Well, it's just time. a podcast. He's been really good. He has been like a very, very good. And that is exactly what we want him to be. Like we don't want him to be so bad that he can't play. Because if you don't want to see him again, you want him to be good so the Hornets can are incentivized to trade him for like any team that offers a reasonable offer for like someone who would be a backup center and is someone they already only acquired for a second round pick. So the, the value has been skyrocketing lately for (laughs) the plum dog millionaire. Yeah. He, I was about to say something on the, uh, right before the break about the shooting percentage, along with Kelly Oubre, uh, Mason Plumlee is six for 10 on long mid range jump shots. this year, Just as we all would have expected. Right, with the left hand kind of like legs splayed out, fading backwards as she shoots, as he shoots it, but uh, he's making it work. Um, Mason Plumley, since December first, twenty games, is averaging thirteen points, ten rebounds, three assists, and one block per game, shooting seventy one percent from the field and sixty three percent from the free throw line. Sounds to me like there's not a whole lot to complain about, but <laughs> He's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to tell. It's like not. Now that's not just like decent. Like that's like really, really good. Yeah, that is that is highly effective starting caliber NBA center play. Not like oh, right. he's got to be a good role player. He's a good backup. Yeah, we just have to start him. He's good as a starter. He could get more touches and probably still be good. Like that's how. It's it's wild that we live in this world, but it's true. Right. No, and and I like part of me. It's it, it's almost it's, there was a part of me for a while that was getting frustrated by it because like I wanted to see Nick Richards, I want to see Mark Williams, and as long as Mason Plumlee is playing well enough to keep his job, he's going to keep his job. And it now it's just kind of like funny, um, to to where like to watch it's just like oh Mason Plumlee's just like the best player on the team now, and then like you said, it also. Uh, he's pumping up. Him and Kelly have done it. If nothing else, have pumped up the trade value for themselves this year in this disaster of a season. But, like, now if I don't know kind of, like, where teams are off the top of my head, I didn't research all that. But, like, I, th- I think a team, if someone gets hurt, can convince themselves, like, we can get Mason Plumlee to fill in and, and bolster that center rotation. Yeah, I mean, like, I- I've been thinking about this for a long time. The Clippers, this doesn't work f- for salary, so obviously – a smarter NBA GM is going to work this out in some way, but nobody come at me on in the comments because this doesn't work. If the Hornets can find a way to get Mason Plumlee to the Clippers and get Terrence Mann, who like doesn't really play when they're fully healthy, just back onto the whole, like back to the Hornets yeah. in return. Like that would be a great trade for both teams and would probably fill a need for both teams. It's not possible just straight up, but right. that, that has been my, my personal goal is to make that, deal in some sort of framework because i mean there are plenty of teams that could use a good like rotational or like substitute starting center for the stretch run this year yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to like look at the other ones real quick i'm thinking like 
Uh, what is yeah the, the the Clippers have nobody. ESPN has uh, on second on their depth chart has Nicholas Batum as their backup center, which is obviously not correct, but it, that kind of shows you the state of their center rotation. Yeah, on, where, I honestly like that. Might be I mean Moses Brown is on a two way contract and he's their like other tall player basically. Yeah, except and for like uh, Zubac. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So there you go. He's like Robert Covington, future Clipper. There we go. Yeah, Robert Covington. We'll, we'll we'll speak it into existence. But do, <laughs> did you see that uh, stat that Hornets PR tweeted about uh, Mason Plumley this afternoon? Mm-mm, I didn't see. Not not today. If it was today. So have have you ever seen that screen grab of the like the Thad Young stat threshold uh, that like compares him with like LeBron James and Larry Bird and Michael Jordan? I think I think so. It's like so, it's like a very a very specific. With a lot of stats, right? Like points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, field goal percentage type of thing, and then it's, it's just like it's absurd. Hall of Famers, and then Thad Young. Yeah, so the so the Thad yeah. Young because this this ties into the Mason Plumley thing. So the Thad Young yeah. one is players with 800 games to average 13 and a half points, 5.9 rebounds, 1.4 steals, 49 and a half percent from the field, and 30 percent <laughs> from the three. The five players in NBA history that have done that to to the point when this graphic was was created, probably like five to ten years ago. I don't know about now, but that yeah. was Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Thaddeus Young were the five <laughs> players that had done that. I the love Hornets, those so much. It's it's incredible. I I love like little like weird stat like pulls like that. Um, but the Hornets did one of their own. So Hornets center <laughs> Mason Plumley is the 15th player in NBA history to record at least 125 total offensive rebounds, 250 total defensive rebounds, and 150 total assists in his first 41 games of the season. It's the 31st overall instance, the 15th different player. I'm going to read off a couple of the players that have also accomplished this feat in the first 41 games of the season. Domantas Sabonis, multiple all-time all-star. Which, by the way... Just to, to preview, that's the worst name on this list. That's the worst? Yes. It, oh, it gets much better. It gets much better. Anthony Davis, obviously, before he got hurt this year, was one of the best players in the league. Perennial DPOI when he's healthy. Andre Drummond, arguably the best rebounder of all time. Kevin Garnett, NBA champion, elite NBA player. Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> arguably one of the best centers of all time. Uh, and then we're going to go a little bit further down the list, a little bit later into history. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> that is, uh, this is among the company, and that's not even it. It's Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, uh, Chris <laughs> Webber, Bill Walton, Pau Gasol, Joakim Noah, Kevin Love. Like, those are all that's the players the entire, on okay, that that's, list. Uh, that's the entire list, is is Damana Sabonis, Anthony Davis, Andre Jumman, Joakim Noah, Kevin Love, Pau Gasol, Kevin Garnett, Shaq, Barkley, Webber, uh Michael Thompson, Kareem, and Bill Walton, and Mason, and Mason Plumley. Plumley. <laughs> like it is so awesome. It's 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 incredible. That might be better than the Thad Young one because it's that. overwhelmingly right specific. Now. 125 <laughs> offensive rebounds in the first 41 games is like remarkable. It's it's so specific, but it it works. Like if you can put your name on a list with all of these other players, you are doing something very 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 right. So good. Congrats to Mesa. He has been killing it this year. Like un- unironically, has been really, really good. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer based on yeah, the tweet, obviously. On I mean, li- like literally everyone else on that list it ha- has at least a chance, if not, is already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, <laughs> good job, Hornets PR. That's how you do your. That's how you PR right yes, there. No, exactly. Buzzing, like, buzzing Hornets PR. <laughs> that that is so awesome. I I loved that stat so much when I saw it. Um, <laughs> that's, that's great. So yeah, Mesa Blumley been very good. Um, oddly enough. And I love the jump shots and the just awkwardness of it all. And then, uh, hopefully it helps the Hornets in the long run if they can get some, some sort of asset out of it. Um, or wasn't, do you have a Hornet or do you have something else? Cause I went outside the Hornets to talk Ooh, about. Okay. okay. You, you go first. Cause yours is probably okay. more interesting then. Mine's mine's, uh, it, it was, is very born out of, uh, the Hornets win on Friday. Um, I wasn't as Thanasis at Hinnikumpo. <laughs> I did not realize how bad he is. Oh, yeah. Outside of being Giannis's brother. Like, 
So, cause he, cause he did the thing where like, he's like the, the, like, he's like the goofy dude and pick up basketball that like no one wants to play with. Cause he's just like recklessly running around, like beating people up and like not being good at basketball. And as I pulled up his stats, because I feel like he's been pretty consistently like appears in games from the Bucks and stuff. And his numbers are like some of the worst numbers I've ever seen for an NBA player. Yeah, his, I mean, I, he's only played this year is 36 minus minutes. He's only played 36 minutes this year. Like Udonis Haslam has played more minutes than that. His VORP this year is minus 10. Or his box was his BP. <laughs> his box was minus is minus 10. His VORP has been his value over replacement level player has been negative every single year of his career, other than his rookie year with the Knicks, where he played six minutes. Um uh yeah. He's shooting he's uh shooting 15% from three for his career on two per on uh, about two attempts per 36 minutes. And yeah, I, I just like watched him play and I think, and he shot like a couple threes against the Hornets and he, I think he missed them by a combined like four feet on two attempts. <laughs> um, It was, and then he was just like, he poked somebody in the eye, I think. And then he like basically destroyed Terry Rozier on a fast break layup for like no reason. I don't know if you saw that. Um, I, I I didn't get to see the uh, the Bucks game, but Terry's going on a fast break. The game's like well decided. I don't even know why the Hornets still had their starters in. As you can tell, the Bucks had given up. They had Thanasis and Nakupo in, and <laughs> Terry. Uh, it's like a it's, he's got like a one on one fast break, and he kind of euro steps, tries to euro step around the defender, and Thanasis just like full speed leaps in the air. Doesn't he really have like the intent to block the shot? Because he doesn't like lift his arms to block it. He ends up just like throwing like a flying knee into Terry Rozier's back and lands like all his body weight on top of Terry and Terry, I think like banged his knee into the floor and stuff and looked like he might actually be hurt kind of bad. And uh, it was, it was one of the most absurd plays of the game. And then like the Hornets are by 30 with like two minutes left when this happens. Like it was just an absurd basketball play. And then, like I said, he shot a couple three pointers that did not even get look like they were heading in the direction of the basket. Um, so yeah. Uh, Bucks clearly just trying to keep their superstar happy because watching that was just like not that was like that was not NBA basketball. And so I wanted to to talk about how funny that was and how just like dreadful of a of an appearance that was for an NBA player against NBA players. Yeah, I mean he he's shooting eleven point one percent effective field goal percentage from the <laughs> year. So yeah. I, that's that's pretty much that puts a bow on on the whole thing. I mean, there's literally like no positive because hey, his numbers are bad. He's out there trying to kill Terry. We we just can't have that. We can't have it. But my so wasn't. Who was it? Yeah. All right. So this, I mean, I'm, I had to to dig back a little bit for this because I didn't want to be like too like negative, downtrodden. Like, oh, my wasn't is is losing because the Hornets aren't <laughs> good this year. Um, my, my wasn't was that West coast road trip they had oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, over the Christmas like period from like, I think a, a little bit before to like December 27th or whatever was when they played yeah. the Warriors. It should yeah. be illegal to start an, an, a sporting event at like 10 38 PM <laughs> Eastern standard time, which is basically what the time it is by the time, like a game tips off from mm-hmm. all the pregame festivities. That's, that's a crime. It's, or at least it should be if it's not. <laughs> Because it's it's so tough, and it's not. I, I understand. I sound like super old and washed right now, but like, <laughs> if you have to get up in the morning, like you can't watch that game. And then if you don't have league pass, which not everyone does, because I mean, if you have cable in Charlotte, you probably just watch it on Folly Sports, and then there you go. But yeah. if you don't have league pass, you can't watch it again, or unless you got to sit and wait for like when it's re-aired on TV. And it's just, it's just not, the Hornets aren't doing that. <laughs> no, it's, exactly. It's it's such a hassle. So. We got to just bump it down to like 9.30, 9.45, help those of us who are really bad at staying up late to watch the the basketball games that their team is playing without, you know, having to like watch it back the next morning and not being able to feel all the energy and uh, all that type of thing and not being able to follow along with everything in the same way because everybody's already talked about it like 12 <laughs> hours ago. But <clears throat> this I, is definitely uh, a me problem. But no, no, I, 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 um, uh watched or i i finished i finished the recap of the lakers game in los angeles at 4 15 in the morning see that's what i mean like they're they're making you <laughs> like, stay up till 4 15 in the morning to be fair i like i watched it 
uh, I watched it. I can't remember what I was doing. It was December twenty third. Like it was, it was, it was like a holiday. But I didn't have a chance to have my computer with me until I came home and had to like rewatch the the recording of it and like trying to not fall asleep because it was almost four o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah, because the game started so late that <laughs> it messed up all the other plans. Like it, it when the game started at seven, I can generally get even if I have other stuff going on, I can generally make things work and finish at a reasonable hour. But when they start at 1030, it, it, that goes out the window. Yeah, I mean, the, the reasonable hour is only like an hour and a half after that. Right. Well, when it especially start, the game won't even be over. Especially the 1030 start. Like, that's a 730 local start. Like, Hornets games don't start at 730. Start your games at 7 local time, no later. Yeah, like, yeah, right. Like, and then, then the, the families are out of there by like 915. Yeah, and then it's 10 o'clock over here. And we can, we can as, you know, then the game's over by midnight and it's a little bit easier to, to stomach. For the for the layman, um, exactly. Yeah, the, it was funny looking at the schedule and seeing those times, like just ten thirty, ten thirty, ten thirty, like back to back to back, because uh, they played the back to back games in Los Angeles, and they're too cool to have their games at seven o'clock local time. Yeah, thankfully those but, are the. I think that's the last game of the season, or those were the yeah. last games of the season that started yeah. later than like nine. I think when they, they they play like Utah and Phoenix at nine. After that, everything's at seven or eight or in the afternoon yeah they they always i mean because they they do the, the 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 road trips kind of in chunks and it feels like it feels like a lot of east eastern conference teams play the la back-to-back thing like that um just because i think it's you know easy for travel and stuff um especially the like less like like low lower brand recognition teams because like you know like the celtics are not going to necessarily do that because that's two primetime opportunities the nba might be looking for but like teams like the Hornets or the Thunder, or not the Thunder because it's West Coast, but like the the Hornets or the Magic, basically the Southeast Division except for the Heat. They're probably just like, yeah, just, throw <laughs> yeah. Them, just throw them to LA back to back, get those out of the way, and uh, be done with it. So yeah, um, those that Phoenix Utah back, to, those are back to back too on a Monday Tuesday. That's other than that, everything is reasonable. A couple one, I like the one o'clock games too coming up. I lo- I love afternoon games. Those are so nice. Especially, I mean, if there's there's no football in like fe- late February, March, April, so why right. not just kick back and relax? Remember, remember, uh, I think it was I can't remember if this lasted to the Borrego era, but a few years ago, the Hornets, if the Hornets played in the afternoon, it was like a guaranteed twenty five point loss. Yeah, I think I yeah that definitely lasted <laughs> into the Borrego era. They they were yeah I, I think it was when it was like the Devonte Graham Terry Rozier team. I think well, especially that was a well really I remember. I do remember it at least dated back to when they made the playoffs last because I remember they kind of choked away that lead, that series lead against the Heat. And then the NBA like schedules like game seven is like one o'clock on Sunday. You're like, well, there goes the season. <laughs> Throw and, then the they lost, <laughs> and then they lost by like 35. So, um, yeah, uh, which that might be a good thing this year because, you know, we're, we're all in for Wimby or Scoot. So we or we should be, at least as a fan from a fan perspective. And I, I hate this position as a fan. Uh because like I I don't I want them to do well, but I also like I don't know what to what to do when I'm watching these games as a fan. Right? Like if they win, like I guess cool, but also like I kinda want them to lose, but then I can't sit here and like cheer for them to miss shots and like lose the game. So I don't really know how to handle it. Honestly, I've I over the last like year or two, I've my view of tanking has for lack of a better word, tanked. Uh and I <laughs> pretty much am like philosophically against it at this point. So like I honestly mm-hmm. have I'm still just being like, yeah, like win as much as you want. Um because realistically it's it's not going to happen like all that often anyway. Like we already know that. Right. Uh and yeah, it's not been it's well established. Yeah, right. And it's not like it's anyone one's fault in particular. Like it's just a, a mess of things that have all gone wrong for various like uncontrollable or controllable reasons. And that's just how it goes sometimes. So, I mean, at this point I'm just rooting for them to do as well as they can on like a game by game basis. Cause it's just yeah. like you said, it's just, it's fun to watch like players do well and like make yeah. shots and do cool stuff and have like big, games and lead the team to like comebacks or like blowouts over the Milwaukee Bucks like that that game was like sick like I didn't even watch right. it but like I was checking up the the game cast on my phone like the whole time being like <laughs> all right 
this is sweet. Like I was like, this is, this is very cool. Like they are smoking. Like what is one of the best teams in the East right now? Like uh, you can't like, obviously that's going to be traded in for, you know, close losses to Indiana, uh, like a blowout loss to Memphis. So they're not going to just beat every good team every time. Like these are, it's going to trade it trade itself in at one point or another so i it's definitely fun when when you can get those those types yeah. of game in, games in i think no no i'm with you i've i've gone um well the hornets this year i think we i think i made this comparison earlier this year this season's been very reminiscent of the pacers last year where they were supposed to be like a competitive if like not a to contending team but a competitive team and then everything just kind of fell apart for not really any real re- like explicable reason People just got hurt and players play underperformed and then they're just like, well, we're bad now. And um, they got Matherin out of it and then they traded Sabonis and it's all kind of working out for them. But like, and and I don't think, and they, they had that one bad year and now they're like, all right, let's see how we can win games. And I think that's kind of the way to go, right? Like if, so, if stuff doesn't go your way and things fall apart, you kind of, you try to use that as kind of a jump off point, which I don't, I don't know if this, you know, 76ers process or this thing that Thunder are doing is a sustainable way to actually, like, it sounds so good in theory, but I always make the co- the, the joke or the comment. It's like the step one, get rid of everybody that's a good basketball player. Step two, acquire lots of first round picks. Step three, question mark. Step like, four, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's like, right. Like, like, no, wait. <laughs> that, like, in between step, just, I don't, I've never seen that, like, really clearly communicated by anyone that advocates for, like, aggressive tanking. Where, it's, like, it's, it's never panned out literally once. The Sixers are the quote unquote best example, and look where that's gotten them. A whole bunch of, like, first and second round exits. They haven't even made the right. conference finals with Joel Embiid, and they had to right. trade Ben Simmons. Like, what like and, that if that's what it gets you then why are you doing it <laughs> right because you can do that any other that's that people you can, can do that, that and not you can do that on accident as we're seeing right, right now like <laughs> right it's 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 uh like it's and then it, it with the lottery it all is lucky anyway with how that yeah. all pans out but it's just like the hornets just keep trying to win hope that they get another some more ping pong ball luck and even then you just kind of have to hope that the player you end up with ends up being better than expected because very rarely are players that are like focal points of teams are they expected to be as good as they are right like uh you know like the celtics have tatum who was going to be really good but i don't know if people saw mvp player when jason tatum got picked and no i I don't i don't especially like like early celtics fairs early in his career i don't think celtics fans especially thought that right i think people i think celtics are up like yeah, I think Celtics fans were probably upset that they traded away from getting Markel Fultz to take Tatum instead. Oh yeah, originally yeah, I bet yeah. LA, like that's the type of thing. Like the Sixers were making like the right trade there or whatever. Yeah. Like they moved up to and they were like tanking and blah blah blah, and they got the last piece. And like uh, again, like uh, that was the right pick. Look how it worked out. Like you can do right. the right thing even if it's and it just still won't work out for you. So. This is is just not, it's not worth rooting for like, oh, tank, be terrible, tear it down, blah, 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 lose on purpose. It's just not worth it. It is funny seeing that, like on Hornets Twitter and and stuff, it's like, Hornets need to tear it down. It's like, we haven't even built anything yet. No, they're like, they have, they have, (laughs) I like pretty much every player on this team. They have one guy that's like a a guarantee to like make an all-star game in his career. Obviously he already has, but I would say that LaMelo is a guarantee to make another one. Other than that, there's nobody on this team that even approaches that level. So like, yeah, what would you be tearing down? Like it's, 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 you're still building it. It's just that building it didn't go the way that you thought it would for, like we said, a lot of reasons that, you know, are some of them inexplicable, some of them uncontrollable, some of them, whatever but right. we are here i think and... i think it's much easier than people give it credit for to just pivot and then just like just keep trying to get better like obviously you can't like go all in to like say this season is the season will be as good as we can be but if you just like continually make moves to try to make your team better year over year and set yourself up to continue to improve eventually you just have to wait for like the pieces to fall in correctly and get a lucky break and like like do what the Cavs did. They had like a, they only had one or two down years without LeBron after LeBron left the second time, and then it's just like Darius Garland broke out. 
They got a good pick in Evan Mobley. They got lucky in the timing that Donovan Mitchell came available, and they had enough to get Jonathan Mitchell out of Donovan Mitchell out of uh, Utah. And now they're like fun and and frisky. Like they didn't have to like. There's no sit there, sit bottom, be a bottom feeder and draft four future superstars in a row, and then let them all become future superstars. That just doesn't work. Yeah, like the, like, like the they're Thunder. watching it with the yeah the Thunder the Houston Rockets are a great example of it right now. It's just like a bunch of guys that don't want to pass each other the ball because they're all trying to establish themselves in the NBA and like yeah. earn that next contract and earn their minutes and like accolades and whatnot. Like that, it doesn't. It just it doesn't work in real it life. Is, like it works it in UK funny. and in in your head. It's funny because people get very excited about what the Thunder have done and what the Rockets have done, and they're like, yeah. look at all this talent they've acquired, and they're still like two of the bottom like four or five teams in the NBA. Right, like they're just, just as bad as the Hornets this year. Yeah, like the yeah, like the Thunder. The Thunder are getting a little bit friskier, but they're they have the eighth best lottery odds right now. Like yeah. how how the Hornets are the third best, and everything that they have done is like by accident, and they have also. Like you would think that like the vibes that surround these fan bases, like you'd think the Hornets have won two games and the Thunder are like in the playoffs right now. Like, but they're not that <laughs> right. far apart. Like they're, they're right. really not. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, that season is, so I guess the, the, to, to wrap it up, just, I guess let this, let, let the chips fall where they may, right? Like the Hornets yeah. are bad enough. They'll be in a decent enough position for the lottery to shake out when we get there. Um, Hopefully, like, there is a point coming where I think you have to, like, start doing the whole tanking thing, but not the whole play the youth type of guy, see what we yeah. got in guys type of thing. Just because it becomes a pointless exercise to have, like, if we're, get, if we're past, like, the trade deadline and Mason Plumlee is still on the roster, like, you, you do, I think you do, I don't want to say, I guess you could say owe it to them because they're, they're vets and they're trying to earn contracts and stuff, but, like, you you need to you do need to like plan for the future and see what guys have um and that will come with it more losses but there is a legitimate case on its own to just say like hey we maybe we need to like give james book night some minutes even if he sucks just to see if he can figure it out with consistent playing time or like nick richards and mark williams like is this center pairing just them to something that can like be successful and stuff like that like there there is utility in seeing that later on but I don't think oh, there's yeah. any rush to get into it right now. Their their Hornets aren't like missing out on anything by playing Mason Plumley and trying to get Gordon Hayward back and letting Terry Rozier take a lot of shots and stuff like that. No, yeah, exactly. Like we for the most part, like we've already we've already gotten to see it. Like Steve Clifford said it in one of his press conferences after a recent game or before a recent game. Like nobody on the team hasn't gotten a shot. Like everyone yeah. has played. Everyone's gotten a real role. Nobody's going in with like six minutes left in a blowout. Like everybody's played in like the first quarter and gotten like a yep. real chance to contribute to the lineup. Some players have done well with it. Some have not. That is yeah. not only the nature of like basketball, that is the nature of life. Like some people, <laughs> right. <laughs> some people succeed with their opportunities and some people do not. Like, unfortunately the people that do not will be like moved on from in some way or sit on the bench and just not play or whatever like it's unfortunate but nobody has not gotten a shot like and that yeah. was something that i think people were really worried about with Cl steve clifford coming into the year it has not panned out that way whatsoever he's he's been a great like you know player development like invest in the youth coach so far yep yeah everybody and like injuries have contributed to that too but like yeah, right. I, I, I still think some of these guys would play he raved no, about no, no. james book night like that he was he no, was he, gonna find a way <laughs> No, he, no, because like Kai Jones got a bunch of rotation minutes, and then JT Thor sat on the bench, and then JT Thor got some minutes, and Kai Jones has been on the bench, and like Nick Richards got minutes, Mark Williams sat, and so on and so forth. Like every, he's kind of cycled through guys, um, to give people different chances in different places, um, even regardless of who's available. And yeah, I think so far no one's really taken. I think Mark Williams is the only player that's really in Bryce. Well. Bryce McGowan's the two two-way guys, Bryce McGowan's and Teo Maladon to play well. And then Mark Williams. I don't know if anybody else really of the guys that are like outside of the rotation to start the year have really shown any reason to not like to get more minutes than they were originally allocated to start. Yeah, I mean I like, I, I guess if you count Nick Richards in that group, but he was the backup center to start the year anyway. So yeah, I right. like I mean and yeah, he, like, he's the oldest of the that bunch of players as well too. So Right. Like, Book Knight was bad. Kai Jones is fine, but not, like... 
Kai Jones, I just don't trust. Like, he's an athletic freak, and he can do some crazy things. I just, I don't know how reliable of a player he is, like, decision-making-wise. For Yeah, be, like, I think his, like, his feel for the game is not consistently there. Like, it is there at times, like, when he makes, yeah. he'll, like, jump a passing lane for a steal and then take it the full court and do a friggin' reverse dunk over the rim in crunch time like that that type of stuff is incredible but like there are moments where you can tell like and he i mean he hasn't really played a ton in the nba in his career he started basketball late so this this specific like fault and like aspect of his skill set that was lacking was to be expected even this far into his career i think right yeah and and i think his 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 role to me seems like uh guy that comes in and just like wrecks stuff off the bench just using his physical tools and his and his effort and his motor and stuff but he's not a guy that you like put out there with an expectation of he's gonna like create anything or uh like read the games at a super super high level um and like trust to play for like 36 minutes a night or anything like he's a guy that's gonna come in and just like give a bunch of energy and do a bunch of crazy stuff and be really good. He's got a ton of talent. It's just like I said, he just, I don't know. I don't, he's kind of like Kelly Uber. He reminds me of Kelly Uber, where I just like the decisions he makes on the floor. I'm like, I guess that worked, but I don't think you can do that all the time and continue to have it work. <laughs> yeah, that that's definitely, that's definitely understandable. But I mean, I'll keep, I'll take it with, with the results that, that we've gotten yeah. so far. I think the, the hits are, are, they've, they've, been pretty good so far and i think they're gonna right keep coming yeah. eventually as the season yeah, and i think on. he'll get more and i think he'll get more burn yeah the problem he has is that like mark williams has been good and nick richards has been good and then he's been kind of playing the four and i don't think he can i don't think that's yeah that, yeah that's the that's the my one gripe with like how he's used i mean I, there's re- like there's really not an option because the other two guys have been good but he's got to play somewhere but that is yeah. a, a little bit unfortunate for him that he has to be right. like pigeonholed into a position that he probably doesn't i mean when he pl- plays with the swarm he plays five the entire time so right because that's what he's that's what you want him doing right like he can yeah attempt some pick and pop threes or trailer threes but you want him like as a dive man in the role and protecting the rim and going after rebounds and all that stuff so uh did you have anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap it up um I don't think so. I think that that about wraps it up for us. I don't know if there's cool. anything you got to touch on either. Nah, I think that's that's about it. Um, appreciate you guys sticking out. Every you guys are true, uh, true Hornets fans to not not only watch the Hornets right now, but consume like Hornets content on the internet voluntarily. Um, so we appreciate you for that. Um, we'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.